This is the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. We are a church passionate about encountering Jesus and sharing his love with our city. To find out more about who we are, visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk. and I'm excited today to introduce to you our new series that we'll be exploring over the next few months, studying the life of David in 1st and 2nd Samuel. We'll be looking at the journey of David from a humble shepherd to the king of Israel. It was only when preparing for this talk that I really grasped how much there is to learn from the life and journey of David and just how thrilling this story is when you start to see how God has planned and carried out his will for his people. As we begin this new series, I've personally found the Bible Project's video overview of 1 Samuel so useful in piecing together key parts of this fascinating account of God's plan to allow the rise and fall of King Saul and raise up David to the throne as a humble servant of God. We'll pop the link to it in our video description if you'd like to take some time to watch this after the service. So we're going to begin our series in chapter 16 of 1 Samuel, but I encourage you to take some time to read the previous chapters where it begins with the account of Eli as high priest during the time of the judges and the training of Hannah's son Samuel. There's twists and turns as we see Eli's own sons being judged by God, as well as the sacred Ark of the Covenant falling into enemies' hands and the decline of the influential priesthood. Samuel becomes one of Israel's greatest prophets and anoints Israel's first kings. But like Eli, his own sons turned away from God, taking bribes and perverting justice. The people rejected the leadership of the judges and priests and clamoured for a king like all the other nations have. And this is where we pick up this contrasting character study of Saul and David, really highlighting the importance of humility as followers of God. There really are few lives that are more interesting and talked about, not only in God's word, but elsewhere than the life of David. Did you know that David is mentioned in the New Testament more than any other Old Testament character? And more has been written about David in God's word than any other character apart from Jesus. What this means is that God wrote a book And he decided he wanted to say a lot about this man David's life. And there are so many lessons he wants us to learn. And with his help, hopefully, we'll unpack some of them during the series. Which brings me to the first and probably single greatest lesson we can learn from David's life. And which is most important to God as well. And that is that David was a man after the heart of God. In fact, he's the only one in scripture to carry that title. We see this in chapter 13, uh, first, when Samuel is rebuking Saul's disobedience and he calls him out in verses 13 and 14 saying, how bullish you have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. Had you kept it, the Lord would have established your kingdom over Israel forever. But now your kingdom must end, for the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. The Lord has already appointed him to be the leader of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. 
Like Saul, how often do we gloss over our mistakes and sins, trying to justify our actions, perhaps due to perceived special circumstances? Our excuses, however, are nothing more than disobedience. And God knows the true motives, our true motives. Yes, he forgives, restores and blesses us, but only when we're honest about our sins. And for Saul, the consequence was the loss of his kingship. I love how David is described in Acts 13, 22, and this is the ESV version. I found in David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart who will do all my will. What a beautiful phrase. The heart that is seeking the Lord is the heart that says, God, whatever you want, wherever you want me to go. And God loves the heart that is following and pursuing after his own heart. It's the reason it's the first and greatest commandment. You must love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, all your soul and all your mind. This is what God cares about. This is what he's going after. This was David. So let's pick up the story in 1 Samuel 16, 1 to 13. And this is the first time we're introduced to David. And I want to highlight verse 1 in particular, which serves as a great introduction and context to where we're going over the next couple of months. So this is from 1 Samuel uh, chapter 16, 1 to 13. Now the Lord said to Samuel, you've mourned long enough for Saul. I have rejected him as king of Israel, so fill your flask with olive oil and go to Bethlehem. Find a man named Jesse who lives there, for I have selected one of his sons to be my king. But Samuel asked, how can I do that? If Saul hears about it, he'll kill me. Take a heifer with you, the Lord replied, and say that you have come to make a sacrifice to the Lord. Invite Jesse to the sacrifice and I will show you which of his sons to anoint for me. So Samuel did as the Lord instructed. When he arrived at Bethlehem, the elders of the town came trembling to meet him. What's wrong, they asked. Do you come in peace? Yes, Samuel replied. I have come to sacrifice to the Lord. Purify yourselves and come with me to the sacrifice. Then Samuel performed the purification rite for Jesse and his sons and invited them to the sacrifice too. When they arrived, Samuel took one look at Eliab and thought, Surely this is the Lord's anointed. But the Lord said to Samuel, Don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse told his son Abinadab to step forward and walk in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, this is not the one the Lord has chosen. Next, Jesse summoned Shemaiah. But Samuel said, neither is this one the Lord has chosen. In the same way, all seven of Jesse's sons were presented to Samuel. But Samuel said to Jesse, the Lord has not chosen any of these. Then Samuel asked, are these all the sons you have? There is still the youngest, Jesse replied, but he's out in the fields watching the sheep and goats. Send for him at once, Samuel said. We will not sit down to eat until he arrives. So Jesse sent for him. He was dark and handsome with beautiful eyes. And the Lord said, this is the one, anoint him. So as David stood there among his brothers, Samuel took the flask of olive oil he had brought and anointed David with the oil 
and the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David from that day on. And then Samuel returned to Ramah. Amen. This is the heart that will be set apart from others for the blessing and glory of God. In verses 1 to 3, God speaks to Samuel and tells him to get over Saul. God will never allow his work to die by the death or failure of a man. And just because Saul wasn't working out doesn't mean God's work was done. If a work is truly of God, it will carry on despite the up and down of a particular person or even organisation. Pastors come and go, leaders come and go, churches come and go. But God always carries on with the work, with his work of his church because he's God and we're not. And that's why we're told, do not put your trust in men, put your trust in God. Because in this instance, God had a plan for a greater king. And we're not even talking about David here because it's from the line of David that we receive God's son who's going to come and live a perfect life and die for the sins of mankind and be raised from the dead, that everyone who looks upon him by grace through faith will be saved. Isn't that amazing? God telling Samuel to go to the house of Jesse is God's plan for the salvation of the world. So what can we practically take away from these verses in chapter 16? First of all, God prepares the inner qualifications. God uses the wilderness and God anoints for service. So firstly, in verse 7, God said to Samuel, don't judge by his appearance or height, for I have rejected him. The Lord doesn't see things the way you see them. People judge by outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. You know, Samuel gravitated towards the attractiveness of Jesse's oldest son. He looked at his height, his appearance, just as so many do even today. How quick are we drawn to personality and fame, beauty and celebrity? You only have to look at the premise of most TV shows to see our obsession with outward appearance. There's been quite a bit of um, activity online over the passing of um, actress Betty White, which has rekindled nostalgia for the iconic 1980s sitcom The Golden Girls. For those who don't know, the show began in 1985 and aired for seven seasons, telling the story of four older women navigating single life in Miami. Some have compared it to popular naughties in early 2000s sitcom uh, Sex and the City, which has also been in the news as three of the four main actresses reprised their roles in the recent reboot, charting the women's lives in the 21st century. And social media has blown up. Why? because of the realisation that the characters in the first season of The Golden Girls were, in fact, younger than the current um, reboot of Sex and the City. And this led to a barrage of opinions. Yes, some important issues raised about status and opportunities for women. But most of the comments, and certainly the ones I saw, were about looks, makeup, cosmetic surgery, styling, you know, all of which dominate the way that we see the world today, whether we realise it, or not. Unfortunately, God judges by faith and character, not appearance. And because only God can see on the inside, only he can accurately judge people. And I know this week for sure, God has been challenging me to reflect my inner character and to consider what steps am I going to take to improve my heart's attitude. Secondly, God uses the wilderness. 
After passing through every single son Jesse provided for him, Samuel asked in verse 11, are all your sons here? David was the youngest, not invited to the coronation ceremony. Instead, he was out in the fields looking after the sheep. He was called the youngest, not just by age, but by his stature as the smallest and least in the family's sight. Later, David wrote in Psalm 27, 10, My father and mother have forsaken me, but the Lord will take me in. You know, he'd been pushed into the wilderness with the sheep, but in doing so, he'd been pushed towards God. And it was there, alone in the wilderness, that he learned to worship the Lord. And thirdly, God anoints for service. In verse 13, David was anointed king, but it was done in secret. And he wasn't publicly anointed until much later. God was preparing David for his future responsibilities. And the oil that was poured over his head stood for holiness, setting him apart for God's service. Hannah encouraged us last week to reflect on our own Christian journey in this past year and looking ahead, both individually and as a church. You know, we're encouraged to grow in the things of God, the purposes of God, and in our impact for the kingdom of God. We reflected Paul's experiences in Philippians and the fact that he has by no means arrived at his goal. But Paul chooses to intentionally press into more fully take hold of what Jesus has done. And through the group discussion, a common theme was about being intentional with our quiet times with God. Allowing God's space to speak to us, develop us, go deeper in our relationship with him. In the final verses, 19 to 21, Saul asked David to be in his service, not knowing that he'd secretly been anointed king. This invitation presented an excellent opportunity to gain first-hand experience in leadership. But have you ever been in, or maybe are in, a situation which really tests your patience? Sometimes our plans, even the ones we think that God has approved, have to be put on hold indefinitely. Like David, how can we use this waiting time profitably? How can we learn and grow in our present circumstances, whatever they might be? When we adopt this heart of quiet worship and adoration of God, everything changes. David had years of preparation before becoming king, but through it all, God had a vision. Let God prepare you in secret and one day he will raise you up for his task. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we just invite you here, Lord. Wherever we are this morning or as we're watching this, Lord, we just ask for more of your Holy Spirit to come and be present and to rest in us just now. God, as we look ahead to this year and as we look ahead to our um, study of 1 Samuel, I pray, God, that you'd be really speaking to us, God, through your word and through the, the story of David. Lord, I thank you that he was a man after your own heart. And God, I just pray that we would be reflecting on our own hearts today, this week and going forward, Lord. Would we be thinking, God, about um, how we can become more like you, more like your son, Jesus? God, I just pray that, 
over those um, kind of key points, Lord, that, you know, that you'd be meeting us in these quiet places. God, that you'd be preparing our inner qualities. And it's through our quiet times and our um, studies with you, Lord, through reading your word, taking time to pray, just taking time to listen to worship music, God, that we would meet with you in this quiet place, that we would be challenged by you, changed by you, God, that we would be growing deeper in our relationship with you. God, that through these times, perhaps, um, that are in wilderness, Lord, that perhaps even loneliness, God, we would be using these times again to reach out to you, God, to lean on you, Lord, to be prepared, God, um, to be used by you in whatever way that might look like. God, I thank you that you've got such a perfect plan and will for our lives and for the world. And God, for however long it takes for your will to be carried out, whether it's personally or for Sterling Vineyard, God, we just put our trust in you, Lord, that your timing is so perfect. God, I thank you that you're continuously building us up, giving us skills, blessing us with gifts, and Lord, we just pray um, that you'd continue to use us to facilitate, Lord, your Holy Spirit just moving and working in um, our workplaces, in our schools and unis, in Sterling, Lord. We pray for more of your kingdom to be released in Sterling. And this year, Lord, we just say, what do you want us to do? Where do you want us to go? Lord, I just pray that um, we would just be real um, just facilitators, Lord, of, of what you want to do. Yeah, Holy Spirit. We just give all these things to you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Sterling Vineyard Sundays podcast. If you want to get in touch with us, please visit our website at sterlingvineyard.co.uk or find us on social media at Sterling Vineyard Church.